of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 440. Jason Lingren is with me and Robert Michael. Jason's going to mute out for a while. He's got loud things happening in his house. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Oh, and a hot good morning it is. All right. I'll let you mute out and just let me say a word. We've got Robert Michael back. And so I probably should have looked up the past episode. I'll look that up in a minute. We did a one-hour episode with Robert Michael which only went out to members. We're going to roll that over to the free section, which I don't even know why I'm mentioning that. People will see it in their feeds or they won't if they're not looking. But what we're going to cover today is legal ideas, aspects of law, that kind of idea we're going to be expressing, but maybe the spiritual parts of it. And I have taken time up. There it is. The prior episode is 426.5. And 0.5s are only an hour, but I'm going to roll that over into the free area um, now that some time has gone by. Some of the legal episodes are important, and we try to get them out to as many as we can. But the spiritual aspects, um, does everyone remember Paul Unslaved? He's a great example of the kind of ideas we're going to be expressing. This is a man who knows what he knows. He lives the way he lives, and you can't fake it. You can't talk your way in to the kind of, I don't even have words for it. It's almost like a bubble forms around you. Maybe people that are super Christian would recognize it as the armor of God, I think, as it is in scripture. It's an idea like that, but it is a thing you cannot fake. You have to walk the walk. It doesn't matter what talk you're talking, per se. Uh, In other words, saying the right words is not going to get you there. But anyhow, welcome, Rob. Thank you, guys, and thank you for that intro. I, I think it's really important, especially with my, you know, fourteen-year journey, seeing people go through these different legal avenues and all trying all these different things. But when you see where their energy is, and you go, "Well, that's why things don't work for you," or "That's why things do work for you," right? Because, like you said, you got to stand, you got to stand authentic in your power, man. You know, you got to walk the walk. And you can't see from my point of view, this can't be faked. As a matter of fact, it's not a point of view. I think it's demonstrable. You're you're not faking your way into this kind of a standing. I've known this is true for years and years, but it hit me like a ton of bricks while my mother was dying. I had to go into the hospital. When all was said and done, I realized that I was inside a hospital, the only person not masked up who was never accosted. By anyone and plenty of doctors looked me dead in the eye. And after the fact, I reviewed and I thought, oh my word, there is proof beyond proof. It's like I was walking through a hospital in a bubble and I was literally the only guy there that didn't get masked up. As a matter of fact, I walked into where my mother was because she came in by, by hospital and there was a doctor about to walk in the room. I took the mask off her. I turned around, looked him dead in the eye. And I said, at no time, Will you block my mother's spirit with a mask? She's 90 years old. And they never did. They just let it go. So that's kind of an example of what we're going to do. And maybe that could be summed up by saying something like this. How can you possibly know where you can go if you don't know where you are? And this all starts with knowing. What do you think about that? Oh, man, that's. I think that's great because... I can give a a ton of examples of my journey along the the way into this whole legal thing and and what we did back in 2013 uh, when I met Jim McBride and he had the seal of St. Peter and all this stuff and and the spiritual 
um, confirmations like that, right? There's, there's things that happen in the physical reality that will confirm whether you are on the specific path or, or not, right? You're on this path or that path. And when you question, you will get a confirmation, but you got to see it. And it's confirmations like that, right? That you see in the physical reality. So I definitely agree with that. There is a protection when you know who you are and you're in alignment with it and you refuse to budge. That starts with knowing. And the thing about knowing is this isn't necessarily like some of these things. I can't just go to my neighbor and say, I'd like you to know these things I know now. There's no way for me to express it. Right. I mean, I could use the words. I could kind of point the direction, but it's going to mean nothing until you start to walk that path. So let me just try to, let me try to express this a different way. Everybody listening has seen a seal, right? What we call a seal on a piece of paper. And he was just bringing it up with the St. Peter's, you know, it's like a logo, but it's called a seal Are institutions and people doing that just because it looks good because it's fancy, because it seems official, or are they doing it for a reason? What about bonded paper? Why does it make a difference if something is done on bonded paper? And before I throw it back over to Rob, I'm going to point something out here. If you look at the old spiritual writings we can get our hands on, even as modern as someone like Rudolf Steiner in the early 1900s, he will make the claim. And it's unequivocal. He's not saying maybe. He will make the claim that all dis-ease in this realm begins as a spiritual reality that's already occurred. When you begin to think in this way, you start to clue yourself into where I think we're about to go. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you have to really believe who you are and what your power is, and that there's no authority over you. They're not even the, the highest of high, not even the Pope. And that's what Jim did that blew my mind. And and look, I I may talk about things in this hour and maybe even in the next hour that seem impossible or seem like, oh, well, that that may have happened. It may not have happened. I'm not here to tell you that it did or it didn't. All I'm telling you is things occurred. And when you see and hear those things, you're like, wow, I mean, could that have possibly have happened from one man saying, this is what I believe. This is who I am. And this is the power I'm going to wield. I mean, yeah, it, it all starts with that. It all starts with that. If if you don't believe in your heart, who you are and where you come from, from the spirit, you are already way behind in trying to get ahead in evolution or ascending this whole problematic system. You really are. Let's try to offer everybody a path. We live in a world where there's all these spiritual traditions. Typically in the part of the world I live in, you are told your spiritual tradition is perfect and right. It's the only one. All these other idiots out in the world, uh, they're not even quite human beings. How did they get so lost? Uh, What they're doing is ridiculous. Let's rephrase that conversation into a door that opens for everybody. If you're Christian, if you're Muslim, if you're anything, and you walk out into the creation of which you have been made a beneficiary, you get free sunlight. You get free water from the sky. As a matter of fact, the creation provides everything we will ever need. You've been made beneficiary. You don't need the religious moniker. You have to recognize the reality of where you are. And to put this in a fine point, I pray every day. 
I tried to pray five times. I learned that from the Muslim tradition. I thought, boy, look at these people, how dedicated they are to stop five times a day. And I compared it to with the way I was brought up. I go in and I fake it on Sunday for about an hour and I'm good. <laughs> and I started to realize that I could do better. And so I go out and I thank the creator. Notice how I'm saying the creator. I'm not pulling from a religious tradition. For me personally, religion in a lot of ways is spirituality gone wrong. And the reason I'm saying that is because they tell you your way is the only way and everyone else is lost in space. I don't agree with that. What I do is I thank the creator for what I have been granted every day. And what I have been granted or the things that I include in my prayers, I was granted the divine spark of life. I was granted free will. And I was made beneficiary of this creation. And every day I reaffirm it and I make it foremost in my mind. And these are some of the things that I do. I mean, what would you add, Rob? Well, I would add, it's funny those words that you used because when Jim McBride had written these documents back in 2013 and I was first turned on to them, actually 2012 is when I was turned on to them. That was in the documents as our declaration, right? Declaring we are divine spark of the creator, the beneficiary. And also I would, I go now as far as to say the air, I mean, there is an airship going on here and it, it, Jesus says, right. And, and I'm 100% with you as far as religion. So I just want to preface this by saying, when I talk about the Bible, I'm not talking about the Bible from the, the standpoint of religion. I'm talking about the Bible as a playbook for the earth, the way that they designed it to control everyone. So it's actually a set of bylaws, in my opinion. Perfect. If you look at what, what they've done with the Bible and Christianity, they destroyed as many civilizations and, and indigenous peoples and stuff as they could, simply because you don't believe in what we believe, which is what Crow was just saying. All you guys are shit. We're going to kill you until we force you to believe what we believe so we can control you. Once you believe what we believe, this book controls. That, to me, is a set of bylaws for how the organization that you're following is running. So when I refer to the Bible, that's what I refer to. But in those bylaws, it gives us the way out. This man, I don't even believe his name was Jesus. There's a lot of research on that. But we're just going to use the names in the Bible. You know, say clearly, you're an heir to the kingdom. You're co-heirs with me, right? All the guy was saying is, I'm not here to save you. I'm here to show you this is how you save yourself. But instead, they want you to believe that he's a savior so that you are limited right then and there. The minute you believe someone is coming to save you, you have limited your ability to expand and accept that benefit of all that is because you've limited yourself that you're not good enough. The whole system was set up that way. Yes. Back a while before that, the Bible was talked about in a language that most people didn't speak. And you were told, you do not have direct access to the creator. You have to come through me. Right. I am the intercessor. And these, these are all limiting things. The problem with talking what we're about to talk about, and I was raised in Christianity, so I know firsthand what I'm talking about, is if you start to say things like no one's coming to save you and people who are listening have been told their whole life that someone is coming to save you, it, it creates a problem. But let me throw this kind of logic down. So many people come and in the times we're in, which are getting pretty dire, 
And there's no doubt we're headed into a new era and the old era is crumbling to the ground behind us. And they'll say, we're living the times of revelation. Let me ask you this question. Some 25 years ago, I went and looked at the British Royal Seal for their family. And I thought, well, what are all these little symbols and what do they mean? And what's a horn? And as I started looking at it, I realized, oh, well, a new horn comes when, when a new royal is born and these kinds of things. And then all of a sudden I got to the point where I've read this before. So I went over to the book of Revelation and I began to realize there was a direct correlation with the British royal family's coat of arms and what we read about so many horns and a lion and, you know, all these things. And I thought, could it be? So let me ask you this question. Which one of these two things is more likely? Is it more likely that a book that was written whenever it was written, I can't tell you, predicting what's happened to us now, or is it more likely that people like the royal families have co-opted it to be their playbook because that book carries so much weight? I mean, what do you think, Rob? I'm 100% with the latter. (laughs) I am too. That is exactly what I believe has been done. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've lived it. Uh, i like, well, you said you were Christian. I'm Catholic, recovering still. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it over this 12 year or sorry, 14 year, almost uh, 14 years journey in this legal figuring out the system realm. And I'm, I'm blessed. I really am blessed to have the experience early on that, wait a minute, this is all tied to that book. It's all tied to spirituality. And my whole journey through this legal system matrix, if you will, and, you know, unplugging and all these terms that we use has been rooted in that, that the true redemption, quote unquote, is in the spiritual, the spiritual realm. And then it manifests into the material. And yes, they built this thing that exact way. They follow that book. They, they use that book because like Crow said, there's so many people now that believe it, that it's easy to herd the cattle according to the book. Okay. So that's, to me, that's where our answers are. I love just opening the Bible now, specifically in the New Testament and Revelation and all. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, there we are. <laughs> you know, like, there's your answer. Well, I was going to point out that there are many, and I think I agree with it, that the basis for most of the legal system is drawn from the 1611 yeah. KJV version of the Bible. But there's a thing that we should point out here. If you can be convinced that someone else is coming to save you, that you cannot communicate directly with the creator and the creation, you need an intercessor or a priest or whatever it is, you will never be able to experience what it is like to go out into the creation to form a direct relationship with this place that was created, as far as I can tell, for us. The apex living beings here is us. And the kind of reality that blooms on the tail of that, just like me in the height of COVID, walking into a hospital and two days later realizing I was the only person without a mask in there. And there was no way I was ever putting it on. And I didn't even think about it while it was happening because it was part of me that I do not cover my spirit, which was granted to me by the creator. And so this is really the basis. And there's one more piece to this. If I go anywhere in the world and meet a living man or a woman and I cut them, will it hurt? Will they bleed? Is that exactly what would happen to me? If you ever forget that, 
you're you're not you're losing your way everything in this creation was put here by the creator everything you know people say well what the hell did a mosquito get put here for but nonetheless a mosquito was put here so what i'm pointing out is you have to expand your vision of what's here everything here serves some purpose even if you can't comprehend it and until you become compassionate enough to respect all life put in this creation of which we are beneficiaries I'm not sure how you take the next steps. What would you add? Well, I'm not sure either (laughs) because you really do have to expand that wide. You have to expand your consciousness that wide. We are all here as, as part of a living, breathing function of the universe. It, we all die. Everybody's going to die. Let's get over it. Right. Everything in this three dimensional reality dies And that's okay because it's part of a cycle. The entire universe functions on a cycle. So I would agree that you must, it's so important in my teachings that people expand into this larger consciousness. And, you know, we have arguments with people. We have, we get offended at things and I look at it and, and I've had to overcome this stuff myself. So I'm not telling people as something that I don't do. I've had to look at myself and say, why am I triggered by what this guy or girl is saying to me? What, what's the problem here? Because really, this is just an illusion. And I'm supposed to learn something from this about myself. It's actually a blessing now when I see people try to argue with me and stuff. And and I because it gives me an opportunity to work on myself. I look and I go, okay, well, what, what am I getting out of this? Because clearly what they're saying doesn't mean shit to me. It just means that that's their opinion and they can have one, right? So expanding that that larger part of the consciousness the reason i say this to piggyback off what you're saying crow is because how are we ever going to get to a point where the earth is benevolent and there's benevolence and no war on this planet if we don't reach that level the whole way that they keep this machine going is by scarcity war fear doubt hate anger if we don't get over that we're never going to create a new system that functions in benevolence. It's not going to happen. Got to get over that. So I think that's a lot of what you just said about the oneness and everything having a specific purpose and respecting that is a key element to building that new world, that new benevolent world that functions from the love space. I really do. Well, one of the things that's going on now is the limiting, not just of resources, but your ability to travel. I think it's Mark Twain. I always try to quote it. I always get it wrong, but it's this idea. Travel kills bigotry, basically. And that is so true. The more places you go, the more different kinds of peoples and systems you meet, the more accepting your heart becomes. And what is happening to us now is, oh, you're going to get an electric car. You can go 150 miles away from your house. By the way, there's a kill switch. Oh, by the way, you know, those people over in Russia, they're not quite human beings. And what about these people in the Middle East that are different? They're not quite people either. Um, And it does. It creates the doubt. It creates the hatred. And the first time that I ever found a meaningful way to deal with that problem, I was reading an old Indian text where basically the exercise was this. Imagine the person you like least in the world and imagine yourself hugging them. I said, well, I can do that. And I realized I got not quite angry, but something akin to angry. And I started thinking, well, why? 
why am I acting this way? And then I realized, wait a minute, I've read a version of this in the Bible that I was brought up with. So what I did is I worked on that and I began to realize my oneness. Think of Walter Russell's universal one. And eventually I got to the point where even though I really didn't care too much for the person, I could give them a hug and I could truly wish them the best. And for me, that was a big change point. But the ideas that we wanted to get in here, Rob, were on law. Do we want to shift gears a little bit here? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great uh, great point to do that because law, I mean, it's so important to understand these concepts so that you can really embody what the real true law actually is. And look, and, and I'll give an example of my own life. And, and I can really only give those examples because I didn't live your life. I didn't live everybody else's life. All I know is that I'm a high school dropout, you know, hellion from, from back in the day in New Jersey as a kid, did nothing but party, you know, drink, do drugs, have fun when I was in my teens. And by the time I hit 20, I was like, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that. There's more to life. I want to expand. Like, And it's funny you just used that Mark Twain analogy because I felt like I need to get out of this town. I need to get out of this mindset, this little town in New Jersey. And I got out, uh, moved to Baltimore. Now I was in the city. I went from the woods to the city. And I was like, whoa, this is incredible. But you know, I had this complex that I, I was stupid, that I couldn't learn anything because I'm a high school dropout and all I did was party and, and you know, raise hell. So I was really into music. So I picked the bass up and I started playing the bass. I was in bands before that. I was lead singer, you know, as a teenager. And anyway, I picked the bass up and I go to this, this teacher. Well, I've been to several and they, it just didn't vibe, right? I felt like, wow, I'm so confused. I don't understand music theory. This stuff's crazy. But I went to this teacher and he showed me the basics of how you build music. Just so happened, he broke his hand. He's like, I'm just going to show you some music theory. How about that? I'm like, oh boy, here we go again with the theory thing. I'm not a smart guy. I don't know this. And I struggled with music theory for years in my teens. And when he showed me the basic principles of how music is built, I came in the next week and wrote out pages of chords that I put together for him to check. Now, this guy was blown away. This is a, a University of Miami jazz grad blown away. He's like, how in the hell did you do this? And I'm like, what do you mean? You showed me how to build it. Then he showed me scales and I did all the scales and all the modes in every key and brought it in the next week. And he was like, same thing. What I'm getting at is, you know, the law is no different. There are fundamentals and those fundamentals are so important to know and embody that if we don't know and embody those fundamentals, everything else is going to seem like mush. It's going to seem like confusion. So along that journey, that also showed me, holy shit, I have a brain. Then I went into college because I wanted to learn. I put myself in community college and I got, you know, uh, 4.0. I was only there for a few semesters because it didn't vibe with me as like the long term. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't feel good, but I did a great job when I was there. And here we are. And then, so now I'm a carpenter and a musician all through my twenties and thirties. And then I wind up doing this. If that's not a divine plan, I don't know what is because I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. This is the last thing I thought I would be doing at this age. I mean, completely the last thing, but I just went with trusting in what was put before me by the creator, by God, whatever you want to call it. 
and I kept going and kept going. And that's what helped me. It, it was my life experiences that helped me understand the fundamentals of law and how to embody it and build off of it, if that makes sense. Well, think about this. And I know exactly where you're coming from. To do a podcast like this and be successful, it's almost like you you try and wait for those magical moments when the right string of words is put in the right order to, to mean the right thing, that things really resonate. But I realized some time ago, think about perspective. I was down at the beach with my wife, I don't know, half a year ago, and I wanted her to see this boat. I was way down one side of the beach. She could hear me. I was close enough that I could holler out. And I'm telling her, look at that boat. It's got red sails and it was like an old school boat. It was really cool. And she couldn't see it. And she's oh, it's right there. It's got red sails. How could you be missing this? And all at once it dawned on me because as I followed back, there was a bigger boat closer to her blocking her view. And all at once, I realized every perspective in this realm is unique. Yep. Had she been standing two feet to my left or right, the angle at which she would have been perceiving would have been slightly different than mine. Then I began to realize the sun. What is it about the sun? Why is the morning sun different from the afternoon? It's an angle. It's a perspective. Yes. From our point of view, it's an angle. And then you begin to realize every single person in the world has a unique perspective. And it was built for that reason, by the way. Absolutely. And this is a great, great fundamental topic for those people trying to understand the law, trying to use certain methods and certain practices. I, I really think this is a great point and a great fundamental point. What I learned is I had to understand that no matter what I know, it's the perspective of the person on the other side that's being accusatory, that's trying to jail me, that is, you know, applying their system of law. So I began to study everything and apply things, taking into consideration the multitudes of different perspectives on the other side. And I think what I've seen over the years is including some of my best friends and, and people that I've I've worked with. It's almost like people start to believe, well, if I do this, they have to do that. They have to understand it this way or, oh, all the judges know or all the attorneys know and the prosecutor. They don't. They really don't. They have a different perspective. So that is an extremely important piece, I think, Crow, is, is to understand know that, know that that perspective is different. Do not go in with your guard down thinking that everybody has to follow what you're doing because all, the whole legal system knows what you're doing. They don't, they really don't. These people are much more ignorant than we are. I mean, way more ignorant and indoctrinated. So we have to take that into consideration when we are trying to uh, apply ourselves. I say in the law, I don't want to say fight for our rights. I don't like that. But when we're applying ourselves and standing in our right, we have to take that into consideration. If not, we usually get bit. And I know that from my own experience. So as a, as a fundamental rule, perspective is very important in the grand scheme, 100%. Thank you for bringing that up, bro. Because I, you know, it's funny, I, I don't often talk about that, but 
when you mentioned it, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, they, you're right. That is one of the biggest things. You know, uh, there's a thing called law and action, right? And uh, attorney friend told me this that they taught him this in in law school. And what that means is, it doesn't mean what you do up to the point of contact by an agent, an officer, whatever. It doesn't mean I don't care what paperwork you do. I don't care how great you are with your knowledge and all that. All that matters in that moment is how that person is going to apply the law against you right? Or to you in that moment. And again, to me, that says perspective. This is such a crucial point when you're dealing, you know, most people are going to deal with it at the municipal level, right? That's where probably most of the interactions are going to occur. And the truth is that municipal, I don't want to call it law, but I'll say it because people know where I'm going. The legal ideas at a municipality, at a municipality are maybe better described as corporate policy at this point. Yep. And the problem with that is the first problem is generations ago, we forgot our rights and we quit demanding and defending them. So now we've got this thing that's basically corporate policy masquerading as municipal law. And the problem with that beyond is that each person working to enforce what they're calling law is certain that they were trained, they're doing it correctly, and they are on the side of right. Yeah. And this creates problem after problem after problem. Now, let's go back to the spiritual aspect of the power of belief, right? Just what you just said. These people believe that they are applying it right and that there's no other way. And because of that, it's such a strong force when you come up against it because that belief is so strong. So you better believe that your power and your spirituality is stronger. And the way to over, in my opinion, the way to overcome that solid belief by these people is to break them down with love. And every time I've gotten into a police altercation or whatever, I've been completely kind to these people. I do not go at their throat. I do not, you know, try to, sometimes I don't even really try to educate them because they're not going to get it. I may wait until I get into a position where I where now it's time for me to educate, right? So you really have to feel into your spirit when you're in this particular situation and know that if you do that, you are protected. I mean, yeah, there's look, I when I watch videos of people getting beat up by cops, I'm like, well, what did you do to do that? And I'm not saying incidents don't happen where an innocent person does try to be calm and everything, but what about your energy is calling that beating to you, <laughs> really? Because I've been in some pretty intense stuff, uh, even with FBI, with you know uh, federal agents with guns at my my face. I mean, and I've de-escalated everything just simply by being, hey guys, I'm cool. I'm not arguing with anybody. I'm not saying you're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying right now I'm going to remain silent and we'll take this up later. But I'm not fighting anybody, you know. And I'm telling you, man, it's it's a really big deal to have your energy in check. You've got to, because especially where we're going now, they're going to be looking for anybody that's revolting. Okay. Or, uh, any type of revolutionary thing. That's why they just hired all these IRS agents, right? They want to come out and they want to start intimidating and scaring everybody and getting you riled up so that you're ready to fight. The whole system is based on war. The way that they keep this municipal law going is by war. Look at what we have with police officers. We got standing armies. These guys are equipped to the hilt. You get pulled over on the side road, you got six cops there. I mean, look at what they're doing. It's constantly about war. 
So we have to defuse that war and go in peace. And I've gotten I've gotten ridiculed a lot for this. Right. People saying you're an idiot. That's crazy. You know, I got to fight for my rights. I don't believe in that. And I don't believe in it because when we did this nine years ago, that was one of the most powerful things we had was peace. We kept saying peace, peace, peace. We're not here to fight. That breaks the war machine down. That breaks down that whole entire authoritarian war machine aspect that keeps this slave system going. There's so much to unwrap there, but from my point of view, you have to know who you are at a spiritual level as a foundation to every other thing that follows, which is why I do my prayers each day the way I do. Every day, I'm not just giving thanks, I'm keeping at the top of my mind so it doesn't get lost because. You know, I have all these other things on my mind and all the important things will shuffle down and then be forgotten. I, I'm never going to allow that to happen. So what I do is I say to myself, what are my rights? How did I get my rights? What is this place? How did I get here? And then it starts to flow into exactly what you've said. If you come up on a fire that you don't want burning, are you going to pour gas on it? Right. Pretty sure the answer to that is no. So if you come up on a hostile situation, what is fueling that? Well, mostly anger. So are you going to get your anger now fueling this thing that you wish was some other way? And we are so terrible as a Western society that I'm aware of, of simply recognizing if I don't appreciate this, then I will act in the opposite way because I don't want to contribute to this thing I don't appreciate. And if you break down so many of the things that happen in our society, they're, they're fear-based or they're anger-based or they're both. Because after all, fear and anger are very close cousins. Yes. And it's the truth. So here's what I've come to in understanding the legal system and being attacked by it and the you know municipal system and all these things we could call it. I come to the point where I'm like, okay, so what's the interactions like? There, There's only a few types of interactions that can happen. They can come at me in person. They can come at me in paper, or they could come at me, you know, electronically in, in an email, right? How, what other contact do I have with these people? It's one of those three ways. So I, and really two, right? Because email could be considered like serving you paper or something like that. So I started to realize yeah, a lot of this is how I respond to them. And most of the legal situations I handle, I, I always say, and I believe this firmly, that your best defense occurs within, you know, 90% of your defense occurs from the very first way that you handle that first point of contact. What are you doing? How are you doing it? What are you saying? That sets up the entire thing going forward. And if you can nip it in the bud in that first contact, you're golden. Right. I mean, you just knocked out the whole case. I've seen people get themselves in a complete muck and mire and wind up going to jail when all they could have done or should have done was something very simple in the beginning. But instead, you gave them information. You started talking. You started buying into the fact that they had authority and that you had to answer them. You had to give them information. Next thing you know, they took that information. They turned it into a police report or whatever the case may be. They used it against you. Then they filed a case. Now you got a case going. You're going in there trying to say you're not the straw man. They're going, well, clearly you are because you're here and you're talking uh, some sovereign citizen rhetoric. Yep, you're guilty. And that could have all been avoided. So a lot of what I like to, to teach and go over with people is 
first point of contact, know where your energy is, be calm, think about what you're doing, think about this interaction and how you're going to respond because it's going to make all the difference in the long run. And I think that's missed a lot. I mean, I really do. Like I've had PMAs that were attacked and and uh, by the state and and people and the people running the PMAs, what do I do? What do I do? I said, "Well, first off, stop doing that." <laughs> because you're not reading the paper. What you're reading is fear. You're you're reading the paper and believing what they're saying. You're not reading the between the lines to what they're actually saying because if you really read what they're actually saying, they're just inviting you to come in and contract with them. That's all they're doing. They're just this is an invitation. It's an offer. And soon as I broke the 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 uh, letter down that way, and I was able to respond to them and said, "Not a problem. I accept your offer one hundred percent. Every claim you have here, I accept, provided you clear the ambiguity because these words are ambiguous. So I really can't accept your claim until I understand what it is you're actually claiming." And they wrote back and said, have a nice day. You're good to go. We're not bothering you. Not only did that happen, but another agency that was bothering this organization got the trickle down effect and sent a letter as well. And we didn't even contact them. So, you know, a lot of this can be handled in that very first instance. But man, if you're out of balance and you're in fear and you're angry and you want to fight, you want to show them that you know the law better than they do, you're probably going to get screwed. And I've seen it, I can't tell you how many times. Let's try to underscore the importance of what you were just talking about. Everything is an offer, everything. And in this era, that offer is going to wear a lot of costumes. (laughs) It's going to be disguised as you ain't got no choice. It's going to be disguised as sign here or else. But everything is an offer. And how do you know, spiritually, how do you know that everything is an offer? Well, there's a few ways, but the most basic way is the creator granted you free will. You know what that means? If you know that to the core of your being, no one else can make a decision for you. They can only put offers before you. Yep. And if you always keep that in the top of your mind, who you are and how you move through the world begins to change. But there's more. (laughs) There's always more. Always. I've heard it described recently. That from the moment you walk in to your courtroom or whatever's going to going on, they're seeking to create a contract with you by the first word out of your mouth. Yep. And it was further explained to me that that contract, which somehow is verbally magically made without the meeting of the minds, without comprehension, even that magical contract is law to the point where I had it explained to me. That once you've made that contract, you've already lost. They can do anything they want. That's right. And that contract, definitely, uh, there's a lot to do with the name in that too. Big time. There you go. So the first thing about spiritually knowing who you are is never for the rest of your life, ever forget again, you are not your name. Yep. Ever. You are a living being that was granted the divine spark of life, that was granted free will, that has been made beneficiary of this realm and all that entails. And this whole ID, think about even the word we call identification has been shortened to ID. Where have you heard that before? Remember Jung and Freud? Well, there's this other part of your mind called the id. That's ID. It's this ongoing 
subterfuge that goes on and on. Everything is an offer. You are not your name. And the reason I'm pretty sure Rob brought this up is because almost always they're going to look at the piece of paper and say, Joe Smith, is this you? Next word out of your mouth, going to create their magical contract. Am I wrong? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to that extent, like I got myself arrested in Kansas uh, in 2021 on purpose. And, you know, I wanted to display some of these things. I didn't get myself arrested to prove a point to win or anything like that. I wanted to go through the experience once again and show people like, look, look at what they did here. Look at what they did there. I didn't get a chance to do that when I was arrested in 2013 because I I was in a lot of fear about it back then. But now I'm like, nope, I'm in a position of power. I want to see what all this, how they do all this and then display it to people so people can learn from it. It doesn't matter what my quote unquote sentence is. It was a misdemeanor, right? So one of the things was, okay, yes, I was quote unquote driving. I was in my girlfriend's car. She had tags on the car, right? So I'm driving a registered vehicle. I have a license. Okay. I still have a license for various reasons. I typically don't carry it because I understand that that's all they need to find. And that was it soon as they found the license, right? There's no recourse for me at that point because they got the contract in their hand. They've got the name, they've got the ID, but I still refused to give them that information. And when I went into booking and all that, I kept saying, I'm sorry, I I can't give you any of that information. Like I just, I can't, I don't have that information and that's hearsay. And they're like, oh, well, we're going to have to keep you then. I'm like, well, that's up to you guys. I mean, I'll take three hots and a cots. I mean, if you guys are going to feed me, that's no problem. And they're like, well, we won't be able to release you. Uh, that's fine too. You guys got to do what you got to do. Well, we won't be able to charge you. We won't be able to charge you. Kept repeat. We won't be able to charge you. <laughs> like my battery is already charged. Thank you, sir. Right. <laughs> I'm like people. Do we see what's going on here? I mean, look at this. And I even told them that I said, "Do you do you realize what you keep saying?" And the officers in the place they they were so kind to me, and they really kept thanking me for being so kind. You're not like those sovereign citizen people. I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not here to fight you. I'm just here to show you that what you're doing is unconscious, and you have no idea what this is all tied to. You're just doing your job. Well, that's not good enough." You know, you can't just do your job anymore because you claim to be an American and stand up for your rights. And here I am showing you that you're actually diminishing mine going against exactly what you claim to believe. And they were all struck. They were like, oh, my God. And then they were in my corner. Right. They were in my corner. Unfortunately, the judge wasn't because she was pissed off that I knew more than she did. So she was going to stick it to me. But anyway, the point being is, yes, the name is everything. And not all of these goons know it. Okay, not all of them know it. The judge had trouble with it. She had to bring in another judge to to coach her because she didn't really understand how much that impacted this case. And it turned into this huge case of this little misdemeanor. It was so hilarious. I'm like, how much money did you guys spend on this little misdemeanor from some guy coming in here and just standing standing on his own principles and, and, and you know, standing on the law? But the point is, yes, that name is everything. You're not the name. You'll never be the name. They took the name when your mom and dad gave it to them, period. It's not yours. Let's try to frame a better spiritual picture with regard to the name. So I've heard from so many legal minds, many of which I respect, the people that I respect have not only done it successfully, they replicate what they have done at will. Here's some of the responses I heard that just made me laugh because I 
I instantly know the spiritual importance of what's just been done. Walks into the courtyard, judge picks up the paper. Is this you, Joe Smith? One of them that I've heard is, I'm here by special invitation and I'm the beneficiary. Uh, Excuse me, are you Joe Smith? Is this you? I'm here by special invitation. I'm the beneficiary. Three times. Not another word out of the mouth. There is no proceeding forward. That's that. Yep. Now, can the judge lose his damn mind and do the, yes, certainly any judge can, which comes back to energy, probably don't want to be rude to that guy with the hammer in his hand because he may hammer you if he can. The other one that, that made me just chuckle is he comes in, judge says, hey, is this you, Joe Smith? And he says, your honor, I think you're looking for the trustee, but that's not me. I'm the beneficiary. <laughs> and <laughs> as with all the magical incantations, you may have to say a thing three times, but there are versions of versions of versions of the story that I have heard, which basically underscores one guiding principle. Everything's an offer and you are not your name. That's right. You are flesh and blood. You were granted the divine spark. That paper is a piece of paper. And what this shows beyond doubt is the truth in your divine spark. Why doesn't the judge just say to hell with this? Grab that dude, jail him. There's a thing called universal law and you have been granted the divine spark, free will and bid made beneficiary. They cannot forcibly impose on you. So every system that follows is clever offers. And what he pointed out with the driver's license, guess what that means? You accepted an offer. Yep. All they have to do is see it. And it's proof that you accepted an offer. And it's a catch-22. I don't have to have this thing by law, but Lord only knows. I drive down the street without a license and plates. I'm getting pulled over at every stop because The police have been trained to do what the police have been trained to do. So here's the catch 22. There is no legal thing that compels you, but this corporate policy system surrounds us. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to use the systems and move through life, you're going to have to make simple decisions. Is it easier for me to stand on my principle, which some people do, or is it easier for me just to say, screw it, I'll put a plate on my car because I don't want to be pulled over. That is a choice for every individual. But at the end of the day, think about what it means for this system to require a man to look at a name that's printed in a way you don't write it and then ask you, is this you? Well, why are you asking me? Don't you know? Can't you see me? I'm right here. Right. I'm not paper. That's right. He knows you're there. But what he wants to do is turn you into a responsible living being for that paper that he's about to do things to. Yes. He wants you responsible for it. And look, there's people, um, one of the members in the house of Marcus, sweet girl, she's had her son taken from her, the ex-husband. I mean, it's just, or the ex, uh, the father is just, it's, it's sad. It's really disgusting that the state does this so they can get their child support money through social security. Cause that's what it's all about. So anyway, she's gone through this. They take the son, then, then they're going to come after her for child support. She doesn't have two wooden nickels to rub together. She's not working. Um, she's doing the best she can. So she starts finding out all of this stuff that we're talking about and that, you know, we've all 
been talking about for years. She's a newbie. She's like a year and a half in. And she used to write in and say, oh, I'm so confused. I don't understand any of this. I don't understand any of this. And I would have the support team and myself just keep telling her, keep absorbing, keep absorbing. Don't worry. It'll click. It'll click. It'll click. And when it clicked for her was when she had enough. They called her into this, this hearing. Now she's only a newbie. She's only been studying this stuff for about a year and a half. And it clicked for her. She had enough. She stood in her power. She went into that courtroom with the child support and said, and they said, oh, uh, Miss so-and-so. She goes, not me. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know that name. I can't give you that name. And the judge again got real pissed and said, is this your name? She goes, well, I can't really in, in, to stay in honor, sir. It would be in dishonor if I were to give you a hearsay name like that. I, I just can't do that. I, I have great respect for this court, you know, and it just clicked for her to just go in there and not give them the name. She walked out with nothing. And at the very last minute, they'll try these tricks. She's walking down the hallway. The clerk comes running out, Miss So-and-so, Miss So-and-so. And she said, you know, I, I at that second, it dawned on me, they're trying to get me. She goes, and I just put one foot in front of the other and kept walking and never turned around. Because if she would have turned around and answered to Miss So-and-so, they would have had her. She just kept walking and she has no child support issues to this day. There's a way to think about all this. And I, I want to bounce it off you and see if you agree with it. I just read a couple books about trusts and they started to make the observation that almost any system you look at, particular legal system, could be thought of as a trust. So when you walk into a courtroom, the book said, that judge is kind of like the grantor, the prosecution or the clerk or whatever would be the beneficiary and they're trying to make you the trustee. The reason I'm pointing this out, whether people agree with it or not, is that if you have that framework in your mind, you know, in a trust, the grantor owns it, right? Mm -hmm. And the trustee is responsible for it and doesn't get the benefits because the beneficiary gets the benefits. So basically, as a trustee, you have all the responsibility and all the risk and nothing more. So if you think about it in those terms, and you were to go read about trusts and other things, it's a simple triangle. And this is done, well, I don't want to say this is done in the Bible. What I do want to say is a trust was shaped originally based on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, you have a grantor. Again, you could see a beneficiary. Again, there is a trustee who's going to be responsible and have all the stuff they've got to deal with. So if you think in these terms and you make that part of you and you understand spiritually who you are and what you have been granted by simply walking this realm, you have been granted, everything begins to change, your energy begins to change, and it's not so easy to fall in these really low-minded seventh grade level traps. I agree with 100%. And that's why we said this is all about trust relationship, guys. It really is. And to take that a step further, I would encourage you to look into insolvency. How is insolvency handled? Where is the trust? Not bankruptcy. Rob, hold that thought. We're about at the top of the hour. Jason, are you on the mic at this point? Is there anything you want to get in? Well, I just want to say for anyone who's just going to listen to hour one and not come over to hour two, my big problem with so much of this stuff is that it's been done to us with subterfuge and outright deceit quite often. And fear and threats 
and what I like yep. to call coercion, but usually in comments, someone comes and gets the definition of coercion. See, the thing about coercion is, is it coercion if I feel coerced? <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. Um, you can pull the definition all you want, but that's going to be it for hour one of 440. Robert Michael, tell folks where they can get a hold of you. Uh, you're in hour one, which goes out everywhere. So if you give out an email address, you might get bombed. <laughs> I won't do that. But we have two organizations that we've set up. One is an organization. One is an auxiliary of that. And uh, divinecreation.org is the church. And then a lot of the activity goes on at www.houseofmarcus.org. And what we're doing is we're just simply building a society of like-minded people. Um, yes, there's stuff about the law and all of that, but our focus is really building something new because just what you just said, uh, what Jason was saying, you know, this whole thing is corrupt and deceit and all to me, the only true answer is that we build something new. So people can find us there. You can go to contact at the top, right. And that'll bring you to our support ticket page and you can ask any questions you want. We have a support team. They'll answer your questions. They'll guide you. They'll, they'll give you whatever you need. So that's how you can find us. All right, there it is. Jason, is the work done there? Not even close. Okay, so just so everyone knows, Jason's having to mute because of loud noises in his vicinity, but that does bring hour one of 440 to a close. You know, if in grade school, this episode that we just recorded could have been offered to people to consider, what a different world we might have where a young mind all of a sudden realized, wait a minute, I'm not my name. I've lived my whole life thinking I'm my name. I've lived my whole life thinking that authority is authority. And if they tell me to do something, I damn well better tap dance. Well, that's how we got to where we are. That's how corporate policy became the legal ideas for our municipalities, inch by inch by inch. And the saddest thing of all is it is corrupt. It is coercion or whatever the heck you want to call it. But the people who are there working have been trained and told what to do and shown what to do. And they are convinced that not only is it legal and right, that anyone who would challenge it is out of their cotton picking mind. There it is. Hour one of 440. I hope you tune in for hour two. These are important ones to catch. The first hour is at crow777radio.com. Hour two is at crrow777radio.com for members. By the way, all members get Shoot the Moon for free. Shoot the Moon is a two-hour film that Jason put together. Uh, it's won 10 awards now, and it covers everything I shot with my telescopes and cameras. There it is. Hope to see you all on the other side, and I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And I will close this hour by saying everything is an offer. Everything is an offer, and you are not your name. There it is, man. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. <laughs> 